word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Paula, for your help this morning. If you've noticed, we've had some different readers of the scripture uh, trying a different format, and so I want to encourage you, if that's something that interests you, we would love to get you involved, and if you want to share in your gift of reading the scriptures, we want to be able to use you any way that God would allow us to. So thank you, Paula, and thank you to those readers that have helped us so far. And uh, we're excited for what God's Word has to show us today. If you have your outlines and you want to take some notes, get those out. If you're following online and you receive that, get ready to go. We're going to jot down some notes as we go. I've entitled this message very clearly, Are You a Dandelion? You came to church today and expected to hear about being a dandelion, amen? Yeah, a few of you aren't telling the truth either, yeah. (laughs) Here's the, here's the interesting point about this passage of Scripture. I think it's very important, important for us to realize the reach and the impact that you and I have on this world is greater than we may even realize. Let me say that again. The reach and the impact that you and I have on this world is greater than we may even realize. You and I have a a reach and an influence that I don't know if we even know how far and how many people we influence on a single day. Growing up in our family, there were times when uh, we would go to a store and we grew up on very limited means, as, as I know many of you do as well, and you're very, very cautious of the money that you spend and the money that you earn. And I remember one of these stores in particular was one of those stores that There was no business having three little kids running around in this store. That's the kind way of saying stuff was expensive. You know what I'm talking about. This particular store, I don't remember exactly which one it was, but it was the same type of store. It was either a a Best Buy or a, a, anybody remember Circuit City? They've been out of business for a while. Nobody remembers Circuit City? Okay, thank you. I thought I was the only one here for a minute. Um, but there was something that my mom and dad would say to us as we would walk into a store like this, and maybe many of you have heard it as well. I can still hear my mom uttering these words, do not touch anything. That was very clear. When my mom spoke sternly, you knew she meant business because my mom is the most quiet, kind-hearted saint of a woman I've ever met. But when she was serious, you knew it. And you don't touch anything because the old saying is true. If you break it, you buy it. Yeah. And there's no way that us little children in that store could afford anything in that store. You, you probably know what I'm talking about. You've probably been in one of those situations. Either you remember that as a child or maybe you as a parent have said that or a grandparent have said that to your children and grandchildren. But why? What is all of this really about? I believe that's important because you impact or influence everything that you touch. You might say, no, I can probably touch something and it won't impact it. Or I know my kids are really, they're really smart. I'm going to leave the other word off of it for now. Um, like, don't touch me. What do they do? You know what I'm talking about, right? 
Why? Because we influence or we impact everything we touch. Let me give you an example. If you or I, just as a lone one person, were to go to a certain place, well, let's just use this flower, for example, and I was to come in and I was to pick it up. I'm not going to because I don't want to mess it. Well, that would probably serve the point. I pick it up and I admire it and I look at it and I'm like, oh, this is really, this is really beautiful. And then I put it down. I most likely have not put it down in the same place. It's probably shifted a little bit. And then if I asked you to come and, and you walked through here and you're by yourself and you said, oh, that is so neat. And you came and you picked it up and you admired it and you put it down. You've just influenced, you've impacted this arrangement and you don't even realize it. You see, because everything we touch, we have an influence on. I started thinking about this in the life of the believer of Jesus Christ. And I'm a firm believer that Jesus' plan, while he was on earth, was to come to earth as the Father instructed him. He was to recruit and to train and transform the lives of 12 individual men. Some might, some might argue with me and say, no, I don't think that was the plan for Jesus. I think Jesus' plan was to save the whole world. Okay, but he was going to do it by individually impacting and transforming 12 individual lives. 12 individual lives. I believe that that individual transformation was Jesus' goal. Here's why. I believe this because I believe that each one of them could impact and influence the world in ways they had no idea they could before Jesus got a hold of them. Here's some good news for us today. I believe that same plan applies to you and to me today. I believe that individual transformation is the goal for us today. Individual transformation is the goal. Let's unpack this a little bit because some of you are, are probably thinking, okay, where's this crazy preacher going today? Each of our scripture lessons this week, if you have been following along in our devotional time, the Psalms, the Old Testament reading from Jeremiah, the New Testament letter from the Hebrews, and then finally our text this morning, all of them emphasize the individual relationship that we are able to have with a living God through Jesus Christ. This is glorious good news, folks. This is the reason why some people get sidetracked and think, you know what, I can be a Christian and not have to go to church. Why? Because they know the importance of an individual relationship with Jesus. I'm here to tell you, though, this is a side note, this is free, okay? If you've been coming to my class lately, you know what I'm going with this. The longer you read Scripture, the longer you follow Jesus Christ, the more you realize you can't be a Christian in isolation. Amen? We need one another. You need to be a part of a body. You need to come to church. You need to get involved. You need to be a part of something. Even though individual transformation changes our life, each individual moving and shifting their world just a little bit has a huge impact on the world. From Genesis to Revelation, God's desire has been for you and for I to be in an intimate relationship with Him. Why? So He can transform our sinful and dirty lives 
into what's washed clean from sin and clean from a life of selfishness and, and, and sin and filth. And he wants to transform each and every one of us. All in favor, say aye. aye. Amen. Amen. Jesus came and lived and began to work in all of us, but he continued to do it through these 12 individuals. Those he taught and those he healed and those he lived with and, and died for, that our job going forward, their job going forward was to influence the world around them. Individual transformation was the goal, but then we see and we use that individual transformation to influence the world because influencing the world is the plan. Okay? Individual transformation is the goal. Influencing the world is the plan. Let me give you an illustration of what we're talking about. Here we go. Here's where the title of the message comes into play. I have a, another story to tell you about my dad. My dad was very particular about his lawn. Any, any fathers, mothers that love their lawn? A couple of you. We had rules that we had to follow. We could not play on the front lawn especially after he watered. You know what I'm talking about. We could not play on that front lawn right after he mowed. And after he mowed, we had to go in and we had to pick up all the other extra stuff that was left over. Why? Because this yard looked pristine. One day I had the nerve as a teenage boy to say, Dad, I think if God made grass, he made it for me to play on. Why can't I play on the grass? You know what my dad said to me? Go to the backyard. <laughs> I thought, okay, that's, that's interesting. Well, we, would, we could not, we had to be very careful on that front lawn. And if we found one of these, let's show this picture. If we found one of these in the front yard... It was very, very critical that you did not do this. <laughs> Am I right? Because that little, I'm going to call it a flower, okay? That little flower, when influenced by one individual, changes everything. Wow. So you didn't realize you were coming to church today to hear about weeds. <laughs> Here's the deal. You and I have the potential to have the same kind of influence on our world. Wow, I don't think you believe that. You and I have the same potential to influence our world. And I believe that's what God's Word is trying to teach us today. The seeds of these dandelions would influence the world around them. And I believe that God wants us to see how his plan involves going against what we've been taught about dandelions. Do not blow on that flower. But instead, allowing God to disconnect our understanding of individualism and being our own self and staying in our own lane and not influencing anybody else, I believe God wants to disconnect our understanding of that and put back 
his understanding and truth that says, I need you to be a dandelion that will allow me to blow your seed everywhere. Wow. God, help us to be open to your plan for your glory and honor. So I want us to look at a few things this morning. Number one here, God has an ultimate plan. God has an ultimate plan, and we see it in our text, verses 20 to 22. We read in our scripture text this morning some key words that I believe are a part of what God's ultimate plan was all about, okay? Follow along here. I want to point some of these key words out to you. Verse 20, some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, sir... We want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. So go back to the the first part of that verse again. I want to show you what I'm talking about. Here's some key words. The second word there, some Greeks. Why is this so important to us today? Pastor, why are you teaching us about Jews and Greeks? It doesn't doesn't make sense to me. Oh, I'm going to tell you. Here's why. Jesus' plan from the very beginning, if you read the scriptures and you understand and unpack his plan, when he gathered his 12 disciples, they said, Jesus, there's too many people to reach. He said, we're going to focus on the, Jew, on the Jews. We're going to focus on the, the people of God. But now we fast forward in time. Jesus is at Passover and he's at this celebration. and He knows that his life is coming to an end. And here we see that his influence has changed his world. Not only are Jews coming to listen to him, now he's got Greeks that are following him as well. And so we see here some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover. The Passover is a Jewish celebration. The Greeks don't have to celebrate it. But they're there. Why? Because Jesus is there. If Jesus is somewhere, this is, this is free too, okay? If you don't get this, I'm sorry for you. If Jesus is somewhere, I want to be there. Amen? Jesus is there, and so they want to be there. So they come to the Passover, and they paid a visit to Philip. Why is Philip so important here? Philip is not one of the most famous disciples of all the 12. But Philip and Andrew are important because, here's this, this is this just... They were the only two disciples with Greek names. They were the only two disciples with Greek names. Therefore, the people who were Greeks saw Philip and Andrew and felt comfortable coming to them. Because of all that was going on, the political scene, the the racial scene, and we think that we're new today. Come on. They see Philip and Andrew, and they go to Philip, and they say to Philip, Philip, I know you're one of the 12. I want you to take me to meet the guy. Philip says, let me go talk to my buddy, Andrew, and we'll go talk to Jesus. Why is this so important to us? The short story of this is that Jesus' impact on the world wasn't just for the Jews anymore, amen? It was for everyone. What's cool about this with Philip and Andrew and there being the only two Greek names of the 12 disciples is that somebody felt comfortable going to somebody who looked like them, who came from the same place as them, 
who understood their life a little bit more. And they knew that they had access to this man named Jesus. Maybe this was the first ever case of it's not what you know, but who you know. You see, God's ultimate plan involved choosing Jesus to restore and save God's people, all of his people. But God chose Jesus to restore and to save his people. The really cool part of this story is that God's plan doesn't end there. Jesus helps to train and transform Philip and Andrew, two Greeks in the midst of many Jews. And now God is asking us, you and I, to influence our world for him. See, sometimes I think we, we sit and wait for, we wait for people to, to come to church. And we, we wait for them to say, hey, can I go with you? You know, I, I, I really do think about this sometimes. Um, almost every one of my neighbors does not go to church on Sunday morning. And so one of the things that has crossed my mind a couple different times is that when I'm pulling back into my driveway at, at 12 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, I wonder why they don't just come and ask me where I've been. What are you doing on a Sunday morning? You wake me up because you're in your car at 7 o'clock on a Sunday. Come on, it's my only day to sleep in, neighbor. What are you, that's not good, neighbor. And then you're coming back in the middle of the day. What, what did you just go do? And we sit and we wait for people to come to us. But the reality of it is, is if we would go to those people that we already know, that we're familiar with, that they know us, that it may change the entire dynamic. It might change the entire dynamic. Why? Because God's ultimate plan is that he chose you and I to influence the world. Many people, studies say, will come to church if they're invited. I don't know the percentages. I don't have those percentages for you. But they say we expect people to come into church sometimes, and we kind of get, as church people, we get, uh, if you will, a little bit lazy or, or, um, or sloth-like or lethargic or complacent to, to not put an invite out there. But they say, the percentages say, that people would come to church if they were invited. So we do things like do a, a mass mailing, or we go and we canvass the neighborhood and we put door hangers on and we say, come to church or come to Easter, and we don't know half the people that we're doing that to. But the percentages go through the roof when somebody's invited by somebody they know because they're comfortable, they're at ease. These people were comfortable with Philip and Andrew. Why didn't they go to Peter or James or John? Because Peter and James and John weren't like them. They went to Philip and Andrew. So maybe somebody's out there today in Pittsfield, in Pike County, or wherever you may live, and they're searching. They're, they're just, they don't know what's going on. We, we shared this on a couple Wednesday nights ago. The, the reality of the unclaimed is what they're called. It used to be that everybody on a census would mark Christian and they were claimed as Christian. Now, the unclaimed, not even Christian by checkmark only, from a mile radius of our church, 2,000 people, 2,000 people are unclaimed to Jesus Christ right now. I would 
venture to say that many of you in here know at least one of those people. And they know you. I know I have work to do because I know that my two neighbors don't come to church. But I know they know who I am. And I know who they are. So I can't just sit here and claim, hey, why don't you come to church? No, I got to go over there and say, hey, you know what? How's your week been? Hey, I noticed that, that you didn't go to work a couple. Are you feeling okay? Things okay? Is there anything I can do for you? Can I, can I help you with that, that yard work that you're getting started on? Can I, can I help pick up the dog stuff with you? Whoo, that'd go a long way. Especially in my yard, yeah. But if we start to make a connection, they know us, and then all of a sudden it gets us an opportunity to let God take our life in His hand, and He gets to blow on us. Because He knows that our influence of the world around us can change the world. You see, God chose Jesus to come and to save His people all of his people. And today, God, I believe, is choosing you and I to influence our world. So God has an ultimate plan. But here's some other news we need to know about from this text. God's plan involves death. God's plan involves death. Verse 23 of our passage this morning. Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory. Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory. Glory. These are red letters. This is Jesus saying these, this phrase. Again, let's rewind to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the wedding at Cana. His mom, of all people, comes to him and says, Jesus, I know who you are. We're out of wine. Go over there and do your thing. That's my interpretation, okay? Jesus says in that very first moment, my time has not yet come. Jesus performs many different miracles. The Pharisees are coming after him. And over and over and over, Jesus says to his disciples and those that he's teaching, my time has not yet come. What does he mean? What does he mean? He knows what's happening. He knows when his time will come. And now we see at this specific time, Philip and Andrew bring some Greeks to him. Now the influence has spread beyond the Jewish people. And now the Greeks are getting involved. And Jesus says... Now the time has come. Now the time has come. Let's look a little bit further. Jesus knows that his time has come. His time to return to heaven. His time to go to a cross for you and for me. His time to fulfill his purpose. Verse 27 and 28 as we jump down. Jesus again is, is praying, says, Now my soul is deeply troubled should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. You see, true and total transformation involves death, even for Jesus. Even for Jesus. You see, transformation for us is dying out to self and living for God. 
Jesus had to go through this as well. He's saying to his disciples, now the time has come for me to enter into glory. But my heart is troubled because I know what is coming. I know that I'm going to have to go to a cross. I know that I'm going to be forsaken. I know all of this is going to happen. Should I pray to God the Father? Is this really okay, the plan? Can't you come up with a different one? But no, this is why Jesus came. Jesus once again reminds us that during this journey to the cross, those who love their life in this world will lose it. If we only care about our own lives, what we want, what we desire, our plans, our will, our way, I'm here to tell you, you probably will get it. If all you care about is what I want, what I can get, how I want it. You know, it's so, it's so funny, Pastor Greg, how our conversations in the morning just are directed to this. We're talking about, can I share this? We're talking about food this morning. Two holy, godly men talking about food. And we both agreed. I'm not throwing him under the bus. We're both the same way. You can look at me. I'm, I'm there. When I want something to eat, I'm going to go get it. Now, I'm this, I'm this great, incredible dad and husband. And so when my wife and my kids say, Daddy, 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 would you please make us your popcorn? Yeah, but I don't want it that way. I'm going to make it how I want it. Why? Because I want what I want. And don't sit there and judge me because you're in the same boat. When you want what you want, you go and get it. As an adult who's worked for it, who's earned it, you, you feel entitled. That's where I wonder where we get this entitlement problem from. It's our own self. God says, if you want your way, if you want it how you want it, if you want to do it according to your plan to get it, you can have it. But that's not allowing me to blow on your life. That's not allowing me to transform you so that you can influence the world. You see, transformation for us is dying to self and living for God. Transformation in death means that our influence will continue. Our influence will continue. Verse 24, again, Jesus' words, red letters, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a beautiful harvest of new lives. In other words, we must die to influence the world around us. Sometimes that means a physical death. You've heard probably this saying, if you've experienced death at all in your family or in your life, you go to a funeral or you've seen a funeral or been a part of it, and you think, you know what, I wonder who's even going to come. As a pastor and dealing with death and funerals quite a bit, that's a question we wonder is, what's the crowd going to be like? 
And it, we ask that question for different reasons. And I, I just want to—I want to—I say this from a personal standpoint. Um, sh- share a, a, a brief story, if I can, for a minute. My sister passed away at a very young age. She was 30 years old when she when she went to her eternal home. And you think 30 years—that's not a long time to live a life. And how much influence can you really make in 30 years? And you see, my sister, she did things different. My sister was not like me. I like to, I like to set boundaries. I'm like, I'll let you come this close. You know, I'll, I'll make sure that I have control of certain things in my life. You know, you'll, you can get this much access, but here, I'm going to extend my arms to you. My sister was not that way. My sister loved without boundaries. And she hurt because of it. She got hurt. She got broken. She got beaten up. Because people took advantage of her. So we're sitting there and we're, we're grieving, we're mourning, but we know she's in heaven and she's rejoicing and she's no more pain. She's healed. There's no more, there's no more heartache. There's, there's no more curse of divorce and pain and custody of children and, and all the grief. She's rejoicing. But we got to go to a funeral. We're like, where do we have this funeral? We had the visitation at the funeral home, a small little chapel, smaller than this room. And for three hours, I never sat down because people just kept coming and coming and coming. The next day at that funeral, we're in this church in Wichita that the biggest service that church had ever seen was maybe 400 people on an Easter Sunday. And we go in and we're sitting down in front and they... They came and they dismissed us. And as we walked out of that service, they had the overflow rooms wide open and had used every chair in that building so people could sit down. Why? Because she made an influence and an impact on her world. Because she let God take her life and blow on it. And Bethany influenced her world so I ask you today who will come to your funeral the life we celebrate and mourn and grieve over was a life lived with influence who will attend your funeral who will stand up and say I was impacted by that person if we never allow God's plan to transform our lives We become like the wheat that never dies, and we die alone. So the ultimate question that I know you came to church today to find out, are you a dandelion, or are you a head of wheat? Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Let's show this picture again. One dandelion. One dandelion, when you blow on it, can change its world. One grain of wheat planted can reap a harvest as that head of wheat dies. That is so vast and so great, and influences its world around it.
So today the question is, are you dandelion? Are you wheat? Are you living your life in such a way that you're dying to God's plans and his purpose every single day? Are you being transformed as an individual into his likeness so that the people around you, that you touch and influence them for the kingdom of God? Are you like Philip and Andrew? Are you available for someone that knows you, that's comfortable with you, to say to you, Cheryl, I know you know this man. Will you take me to meet Jesus? Jared, will you take me to meet Jesus? David, will you take me to meet Jesus? Is somebody coming to you because of how you live your life and saying, please, 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 I know our world is in shambles, but I know you know the man. Will you take me to meet Jesus? Will you take me to meet Jesus? Here's our reality today. I want to close with this thought. I talk about this a lot. I've talked about it a lot this season of Lent. We go over and over it. Sometimes I even get concerned, concerned parishioners that say, Pastor, you've got to stop beating us down with this. But here's the reality, folks. Are you willing today to surrender to God? Why do you keep talking about that, preacher? We're Christians. Yeah, but do you still live life saying, I want it that way, and I'm going to go get it? we got to surrender to God. we got to surrender. What are we surrendering? Our will, our way, our wants, our desires, our wishes, the things that will benefit us. Me, myself, and I needs to be crucified. And we need to surrender our will, our way, and our wants. Why? So that we can trust God for His will. So we can trust God for His way. And I'm here to tell you, the results are not up to you and I. Isn't that good? Boy, that's all you board members, that's job security for me. <laughs> it's not on me. We got to trust him for it. We do that by surrendering to our will, our way, our wants, and we let God take our little life as a dandelion. And we say, God, do your best. And we let him blow on our life. Because you will influence and impact everything and every person you touch. Are you doing it for his glory and honor? Would you stand with me this morning? Father God, you are so good to us. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your presence in our life. We thank you, God, that you are a God who has a plan. And God, I'm, I'm bold enough to stand here today and say, I don't know exactly what that plan entails for my individual life, but I'm willing to sign up. I want to surrender my way, my wants, my wishes, my thoughts on results, and I want to trust you. I want to trust your will, your way, what you wish, what you desire. And I'm going to trust you for the results as well.
God, I pray that you help us to recognize as we walk out of this place today that every person we come in contact with, everything that we touch or deal with, we are making an impact on that for the world. Will it be for your glory or will it be for our selfish gain? God, help us to trust you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you today and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you peace today. Amen. God bless you.